Arkansas and Texas A&M this weekend in Arlington. We know it's a big game for both teams, but especially the Arkansas Razorbacks. Can they start 4-0 and for the second year in a row? We're going to break that down as well as get into so many other things going on in the college football landscape coming up on today's Locked on Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. We're going to talk a lot of college football today. Talk about Arkansas and A&M as well as some other games going on this weekend. And just the current state of college football since we're a quarter of the way through there's a lot of headlines and some storylines and everything that's going on. And who better to talk about it than who's joining us right now on the podcast? And it is Taylor McGregor of ESPN, who does a great job covering all things college football. And Taylor, as always, it's been a while, but we appreciate you joining us. How are you doing? Great. A quarter of the way through, when you put it like that, time flies when you're having fun. I can't believe it's already we're already that far into the college football season. I know. I don't even like putting it that way because it kind of depresses me a little bit because it's like, yeah, we we are already like a quarter of the way through. And before we know, it, we'll be halfway through and then it's just going to keep going from that. But it has moved extremely fast. And I want to start, of course, with uh, a team that we talk about here on the Locked on Razor X podcast and a team that you're familiar with being uh, from Arkansas, going to the U of A and everything. So the Razorbacks, 3-0, and their top 10 team right now, just what do you make of them? Because this past weekend was a little dicey against the former fighting Bobby Petrinos, but they are three and zero. They're a top ten team, and it's just crazy to think about Arkansas at that point in this time. But what do you make of them? I think the battle that they went through on Saturday was actually a good thing. Hindsight, the fact that they walked away with a W. Bert Sam Pittman say post game, I didn't have them prepared for that game, and I thought that was an interesting thing that he would say of, look, I have to be better. And those early challenges in the season, from my vantage point, always pay off in the long run because you don't want it to be even against AM week four where you've never really been battle tested and you've never really been forced to win games down the stretch. So early on, I think there's a lot of positive signs and the fact that they did experience what they did on Saturday, I think is a positive thing. I think so too, but I also like – you know, when I, I try to tell people when they see that final score of that game last weekend, it's almost like they're like, wow, Arkansas barely beat an FCS team. And, and it's like, yeah, it's true. And Arkansas did not look good. But I also look at it where it's like, OK, for one, we got to remember Bobby Petrino is an incredible coach at like scheming and, and doing a passing game, which is Arkansas's biggest weakness defensively is their pass defense. So like add in that into the mix. But also Arkansas got down 17 to nothing. And I know it's an FCS team. But if you get down 17 to nothing at home against anybody and you're able to end up winning by 11 points, there's still some sort of silver linings in there. There's like still some things you can find positive in that regard to where, yes, you should have beaten them by more. Yes, it shouldn't have been that close. But to come from behind like that, no matter what, against whoever is a great thing because previous Razorback teams may not have been able to do that. And I completely agree. And you look around the college football landscape, there's been a lot of teams that have fallen down early in games, come back and won. And ultimately, the thing you talk about is they still won. Look at Alabama and Texas. Sure, it was on the road at Texas against the Texas team. We really don't know quite yet how good they are, but I'm sure Alabama fans 
are thinking the exact same thing. How could this potentially happen? You know, how could we be this close with a Texas team? But at the end of the day, they still got the win. And so that's the, the most important thing moving forward. So the Razorbacks are not alone in situations like that. And I think, again, the fact that they got a W, they've still beaten a Cincinnati, they've still beaten a South Carolina start the season. There are a lot of positives going into week four. Okay, so what do you make of this weekend with Arkansas and Texas A&M? Because this, Arkansas obviously is undefeated. Texas A&M already has that loss. They lost to App State, which was surprising to everybody. And it just seems like A&M's not as good as what people were thinking. Now, I know it's early and things can change, especially in this upcoming game. But what do you make of this matchup between the Razorbacks and the Aggies? Because Arkansas went 10 straight years without beating them. They finally did last year. Can Arkansas make it two in a row this weekend? I was going into this season and I had much higher hopes for Arkansas than I did Texas A&M. And a lot of people might say, well, you're a graduate of Arkansas. Of course you did. But when you look at Texas A&M's roster, yeah, there's a lot of talent, but there is a lot of youth. And that is what we've seen up, seen show up in the last couple of weeks. I was on the game where they got beat by App State. They don't have an, they don't have an identity offensively. And I know Max Johnson got the start against Miami. They got a big win over Miami. That's still important, but you still look at what their offense did in that game, and it's nothing overwhelming. And so I think they're searching for an uh, identity offensively. And again, that helps Arkansas's case because we know what Arkansas has been poor at the first couple of weeks, and that's been past defense. And so I like that matchup in favor of the Hogs. And if KJ Jefferson can get rolling, I believe it could end really well in terms of Arkansas's favor, but it's going to be an interesting matchup. It always is. Even when Arkansas was so far out of it, you looked at this game and every single year it was a dogfight. But I always wonder why that is. Like, is it an Arlington thing? Because, you know, you think about when Bobby Petrino was at Arkansas, they never lost to A&M. They went 3-0. and And then once A&M joined the SEC, they had that long stretch of losing. But like you mentioned, that time when Arkansas went to A&M in 2012, they got smoked by Johnny Manziel. In 2013, they came to Fayetteville. Johnny Manziel's still there, and they got beat pretty handedly. But every time it's in Arlington, even though Arkansas lost every game, they either had a big lead that they lost, it went to overtime and they lost, they, they had a play at the end of the game where they could have won it or tied it, and they lost. It just seems like even though A&M was overwhelmingly a more talented and better team each and every year, there's just something about playing in Jerry World. I don't know. Maybe Jerry Jones has something to do with it. But it's like there's just something about playing in that game where Arkansas, even though they've lost most of the time, they still have some sort of better edge to them than what A&M has in most years. It's kind of weird. I know. That's the crazy thing. You look at the history of the quote-unquote rivalry over the course of the last 10 years, and you nailed it on the head. There were some games home and home that didn't exactly fall that way. But at Jerry World, this matchup for whatever reason seems to be close i don't have the answer for that i can't tell you why i think that is if anything for me as a high school athlete that's where i peaked you know i thrived in those in those big rivalry games and there's just something that comes with a rivalry game um where you feel like athletes step up so i don't know i don't know but it's all it's always fun as a fan and a viewer to watch the matchup i'll tell you that yeah, it makes it entertaining or stressful, just kind of depending on which side of the uh, spectrum you're on. But I think that this is a common discussion, too, each and every year that this game comes up is about neutral field matchups, where 
in college football, some of the most fun, and you can probably speak on this because you go to crazy atmospheres all the time and, and see it firsthand, but there's something special about home games and home field advantage and, and being on campus for those games and everything. But then you have a game like this where each and every year it's in Dallas Cowboys Stadium, which is awesome. I mean, you don't have a better facility than that. And being in Dallas where there's a lot of Razorback fans too, and being like there's elements and positivity, but each and every year people, I think, maybe are getting a little bit tired of just having that, that particular game on a neutral field every year. What do you think about neutral field games in college football? Is it something that you're okay with maybe every so often? Do you think it's great when it's happening every year? Like, what are your thoughts on having big games and neutral fields in college football? So a lot of people might not agree with my take. I love neutral site games. I loved going to Dallas as a student and experiencing Jerry World. And it was an entirely different feel than being in Fayetteville. And sure, I love game day in Northwest Arkansas. There is something so special about it, but there was something special about being in Dallas too and getting to experience Jerry World and all of the pageantry that comes along with that. So again, people might not agree with it. I loved it. And I love covering games at neutral site. I just think it's different. Um, it just depends on what you look for, but I, I love it as a fan, as a broadcaster, all of the above, I'm all for it. Okay. So what years did you go to the U of A again? Like what, what stretch did you have? I was 11 to 15. So 11, the game was in Arlington hogs won, and that was their last victory until last year. So, yeah. uh, and then I think my junior year, it was in college station or sorry, sophomore years in College Station. Junior year, it was in Fayetteville with Johnny Manziel, if I'm recalling this correctly. Yep. And I remember that game being closer than maybe the final score dictated. Um, and then my senior year is back in Arlington. And then um, obviously it's been there ever since. But I loved go I was bummed my sophomore and junior year when it was taken out of Arlington because I thoroughly enjoyed it my freshman year loved it my my senior year and then after graduation the first year out of college Dallas was an easy flight for me living back in I was living in Wyoming at the time and it was an easy flight to Dallas so yeah I'm all for the neutral site games I love the matchup with Arkansas and Texas A&M at Jerry World every year yeah, you had quite the stretch then because you had like 2011, which was like way up here. And then they had the John L. Smith year and then you had the Brett Beamle's first year. And then you kind of got a little better your final year. But yeah, that was a it's not, I mean, it, and that's how everybody had it, I guess, through throughout those years, too. But yeah, that, that was a my tough stretch. My poor brother was a freshman in 17, 17, 18, 19, 20 or sorry, 16. But no, 17 was when Bielema got fired, right? Correct. Yeah, it was the yeah. final year. So I think that was my brother's freshman year. And then he had Chad Morris. And it was just, poor guy. Like, at least I had my freshman year when the Hogs were as high as number three in the country. And then they played LSU Thanksgiving weekend in Little Rock. And it was just amazing. So I'm thankful at least I got a freshman year. My brother didn't get anything. Yeah, that would that would suck. I, I luckily was in college so long that I got a great stretch <laughs> of like because I was there from 07 to 2015. So you're talking about. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. You really did get a good stretch. 
I sure did. I uh, I made a few laps and had some fun with it. But it's like I got to see like Darren McFadden's final year, yes. and then like into Bobby Petrino, and then yeah. So I, I got a great stretch there too. So, uh, but yeah, it, it's it's amazing how things have uh, have things have gotten better, and that's how things have changed. And we'll continue to talk more about that here in just a second. But first, I got to tell you about the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season this year. It's Underdog Fantasy and their pick'em game for college football. Just look at your favorite college football team and look at their stats. You can pick whether they'll end up with higher or lower than the number of this week's game, and you can win up to as much as 20 times, as much as their money, in one single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick two to five players for your pick'em slip, Get all your picks right, and you'll take home some money when, let's be honest, cold cash is always great to take home. It's very simple to get started. Just head to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, sign up with promo code Locked On, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Deposit $100, get $100 for free. It's that simple. Go to Underdog Fantasy, promo code Locked On. You are locked on Razorbacks. Your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Continuing our discussion with Taylor McGregor of ESPN, all things college football. Taylor, I know we were talking in our previous segment about, uh, you know, you being a student when we because we were kind of overlapping in our time Mm -hmm. at the U of A. And you brought up something about that's been a controversial topic once again this week. Games in Little Rock because they announced the SEC schedule or just the schedule in general, which is horrible for Arkansas next year. It's really bad. But they start the season down in Little Rock against Western Illinois. And it's it's ongoing thing. I know that the contract ends in 2025 where they're supposed to play Arkansas State. So people are thinking that that's maybe when it will end. But what do you make of those games? Because you talk about neutral site games. You love them. And some people try to make that a home game, even though it's not because it's not on campus. But you went to the U of A, you know, the Razorbacks. What have been your thoughts on games in Little Rock at War Memorial Stadium? I loved games in Little Rock. I'm going to be completely honest. Again, as a student, for me, it was so much fun to experience the vibe of War Memorial and being in Little Rock and the tailgating scene down there was so much fun. And then I was in local news in Little Rock, and I know how much that game means to Central Arkansas and its fan base there. So I'm all for games in Little Rock once a year, maybe. Um, I was really bummed when there was all this talk about ending them and then they did and there was no more games there. So I'm happy to see them back. I think it's great for, for Central Arkansas fans who maybe can't afford to go up to Little Rock, but they can afford to go down the street to see a Hogs game at War Memorial. And for the students, too, it's fun to experience something different, at least the way I viewed it. Yeah, I think that with the game of War Memorial, the inevitable is going to happen where they're not going to play there anymore. Like, I have, I know that. Like, I just know that after 2025, it's probably going to come to an end. But there was just elements, I think, about playing the War Memorial, from the fan perspective, at least, that was pretty enjoyable. Because let's be honest, uh, you know, Fayetteville's awesome. The campus is awesome. But it's not exactly the most easiest place to like have tailgating because of the the hills that it has and the parking lot setups and everything. But that was one thing that War Memorial did have, I feel like, because of being on what was a golf course. It's no longer a golf course anymore, but uh, what was a golf course at War Memorial Park. So it's almost like from the fan perspective, I totally understand it and get it. 
but from the financial part of it, from the the football team part of it, from the coaches part of it, from all of that, it's like it's kind of this butting of heads where it's the fans that, especially the ones that enjoy it, versus the U of A and and the fan and the coaches and all that. So it just seems like it just isn't one of those things that is going to be around for a long time. But it still had its benefits. It still had things that was enjoyable about it. Yeah, was it ULM the first big loss down there? Yeah. Really turned the tide. It's yeah. tough. I get it. I understand the business side. And ultimately, this entire industry of sport comes down to making money. So there have to be decisions made when it comes to the bottom line. I'm just saying as a fan, as a student, I loved them. And I would love to see them continue. I'm not the decision maker, though. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like I I feel I feel like Hunter Yurichek, the AD of Arkansas, has done a really good job of like catering towards a lot of what the fans have wanted like you know of course he's done a great job of hiring coaches he <laughs> he got the court named after nolan richardson at bud walton which people asked for he, he got coke products coca-cola's back after 10 years of pepsi like which everybody wanted so it's like everything that he seems like is really catered to the fans but i think it's just really difficult to where all like there's not another major college football program that has a game like that where it's just like mm-hmm. you go to somewhere else in the state and you play there, you know, every year, every other year. And, you know, sometimes you have big games there, too. So I think it's inevitable. But I think that the ultimate question is going to be of, you know, what even the future holds in college football, because we know that the SEC is adding in Oklahoma and Texas. It's not next year. We know that for sure. But it'll be very soon when those teams get added. You see the USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. It just seems like the landscape of college football is changing so quickly compared to what it was just three or four years ago. How do you foresee college football in the next four years? Like, what do you think it's going to look like? Is it just going to be bigger conferences or do you think there's going to be even more changes coming? More changes for sure. But I think the simple way to answer your question, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. If you would have told me a year ago that USC and UCLA would be joining the Big Ten, I would have said, yeah, right. That's not going to happen. And here we are. So nobody really knows. And I have asked my my connections at ESPN and some of the journalists who are very plugged into the future of college football. And that's sort of the sentiment. No one really knows the future. I believe, yes, there are still a lot of changes that will come, but nobody just really knows what those will be. So it's going to be really interesting the way that it all plays out. If there is something that I'm disappointed in, it's the changing of tradition. You heard Mike Gundy's comments today about Oklahoma State being disappointed they're not playing OU and saying, hey, look, OU decided to follow the money. OU decided to go to the SEC. Basically, he said, we still wanted to play, so don't put this on us that we're not playing anymore because we understand the tradition. And that's the hard part about all these changes is you're taking away some of the tradition of college football. And if I'm a fan of college football in the state of Oklahoma, I love watching Bedlam every year. So it stinks that that's going away. And I hope as all this change happens that ultimately we get to a place where there can still be money made and at the same time not completely strip away the tradition that makes college football college football. We're going to continue our conversation with Taylor McGregor of ESPN here in just a second. But attention to all of you cleaning and food service professionals. Brady Industries has been pioneering the way products and solutions are delivered to you 
the cleaning and food service community since 1947. Brady is new to the Arkansas community as of 2019, but the company has decades of experience serving more than 25,000 customers all over the country. There's one guy, one guy that you need to call who can take care of all of your food service and janitorial needs, and his name is Aaron Smith. Great guy, big-time Razorback fan, and he'll help you from cleaning chemicals as well as to food service and amenity products. Aaron at Brady Industries has what you need. He takes pride in providing exceptional value and service to his customers and offers expertise and innovative solutions to meet even the toughest and highest challenges. So call Aaron and he will help you get the best value for your facility and for your food service budget. Call Aaron Smith at Brady Industries, 501-424-8837, or you can visit supplies.bradyindustries.com to browse all that they have to offer. And if you mention that you heard about Aaron here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, he'll give you an additional 15% off because he's just that nice of a guy and he's that great of a Razorback fan. So again, call Aaron Smith, Brady Industries, 501-424-8837. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Taylor McGregor of ESPN is our guest here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. So, Taylor, I'm curious because I know that um, you you go into the U of A the years you did and you being, you know, there. like, I want to know what went into your decision to go to Arkansas because I've always found it fascinating where Certain people just went like me because I grew up in Fayetteville and that's all I knew and that's all I cared about and that's all I ever wanted to do. But what made you go to the University of Arkansas when you went? So what some people might not know, I was actually born in Fayetteville. I lived there the first two months of my life, you know, a long time. I really remember it slash actually don't remember <laughs> it at all. But uh, my dad worked at the university. He was getting his doctorate from there. My mom got her master's from the U of A. So when I was looking at colleges, I had a connection to Fayetteville and came down, took a visit, absolutely fell in love. And then I was able to get a scholarship because the alumni connection, again, like I said, with my mom, my dad. So I was able to go to, to college at Arkansas, seemingly for quote unquote in-state tuition, which was fantastic. So that was kind of the connection. And once I got on campus, it was it was game over. I absolutely loved it. And I'm so thankful for my time there. Yeah, see, I didn't know you were born in Fayetteville, I guess, because mm -hmm. I guess it's kind of like me. I was actually born in Dallas, but I only lived there for like a few months. And then I moved to Arkansas shortly after. And that's that's pretty much all I knew. So uh, but that's that's the thing that like Arkansas, I see now that they have like an enrollment of over 30,000 kids which is just, it, it's insane. And I think the growth of a lot of places have been pretty substantial. But like I, when I started in 2007 at the U of A, there were 17,000 kids. And, and you know, that was, that was it. Like it was, it was very smaller and you know, you, the union wasn't packed. You didn't have to wait for the bathroom, you know, at the union now, like, but yeah, it was only 17 and now it's 30,000. So you're talking about essentially in what year, how many years is that 15 years roughly? it's doubled in size. And so it's incredible how much it's grown. I did not realize that, to be honest. I think when I first got on campus, if I'm recalling it correctly, there was about 22,000. So Sounds it had right. probably grown. I, my first year was 2011. So in four years, that would make sense, maybe some substantial growth there. And now the fact that you're saying around 30,000, it's crazy. That's yeah. insane how much it's grown. 
Yeah. I think Fayetteville's actually now the second biggest city in, in Arkansas. And it's almost at, I think it's like 98,000, something like that, where they're at. So I did see a sign, a population sign of Fayetteville the other day, somewhere on social media. Don't ask me how I saw that. And it said, I think it was around 98,000. And again, when I first got there, I believe the population was like 60 to 70,000. So it's insane how much it's grown in Northwest Arkansas as a whole. I mean, it used to be. Again, what I remember, there was a difference between Fayetteville, Springdale, Rogers, Bentonville, and now it just seems to be one one big city up there in Northwest Arkansas. So it really has grown significantly. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, every time I go up there, I uh, look at Rogers, and it's like with the that Walmart amp and the Top Golf and all that stuff. I'm like, this this reminds me of almost like a mini Dallas. Like everything's so new. It's like everything's so trendy and all. And I'm like. This city, like nobody even wanted to go to this city when I was growing up. Like everybody came just to like to Fayetteville, and then like the other cities were just there. But yeah, the growth the growth has been incredible. But I feel like that's also helped just like the U of A and like you know recruiting and, and for athletes and stuff. Because let's be honest, you know when we were started going to Fayetteville, there you know there was Dixon Street, there was the you know the light nightlife there. But compared to other major cities or bigger markets, there wasn't really a whole lot. Now they've kind of grown, so it's almost like now it's become a thing to where people are you know responding more it's like oh i can go to great concerts oh there's top golf oh there's you know all these different things to do up here so i think it's really helped the u of a and recruiting not only just athletes but just in general probably why it's grown so much too and northwest arkansas has a great reputation nationally when i first went to school there i felt like a lot of people were saying to me what's going on in northwest arkansas i've never been down there and now I'll tell people I went to Arkansas and it's crazy how many more people it feels like have been there specifically with baseball because there's minor league baseball in Northwest Arkansas. I've had so many players say to me, oh, I love Northwest Arkansas. You went to Arkansas. I spent some nights on Dixon Street or I did this in Northwest Arkansas. So it really does have a good reputation nationally. And I think as it continues to grow, people just hear more and more about it which I'm not sure for locals is a good or bad thing. I think for locals, they're like, ah, it's fine. We don't need everybody else to appreciate our space. It's good the way that it is. But I'm just saying nationally, it has a really great reputation. So it's not it's not as much of a hidden gem as it used to be. Yeah, I saw a sign, actually. I think, I don't know if it was an actual sign or some, maybe something that somebody made that you, they were selling, but it was something like, you know, welcome to Fayetteville, like one of the you know, top five places to live in the country. Don't move here. I guess essentially what what it's saying it's like yeah we're proud of it but there's a reason why because we don't have everybody moving here so but yeah the growth of it has been has been awesome so and i know that uh you know you being from the u of a there's you know a lot of pride that comes from it in there so i guess by uh, my final question before i let you get out of here is obviously you do a lot of stuff with espn you do college football you do a lot of stuff in major league baseball too i know you're, you're grinding there as well do you have like a like a, a dream job like if you got to this point you're like I'm cruise control. This is what I've always wanted to do. And this is where I want to be. Or are you just kind of like in kind of a way of like me where, you know, I'll do this and I love it. But if some other opportunity comes around, you know, who knows, may try something new. Like, what is what is kind of your goal at the end of the day in your career? Well, coming up through college, I always said my goal was to be on college game day. So at the time, it was Simi at the Ponder on game day. And then she was on the Saturday night primetime broadcast. And to me, that was the dream. Also, I, I think the job that I could have in five years might not exist right now. The industry is just evolving so much. You hear about, you know, Amazon now being a player, Apple being a player. So I'm kind of like you right now where 
we'll just see where the wind blows me. And I'm so thankful to be with ESPN. I, I think if you would have told me in college that I would be working in Major League Baseball and covering college football for ESPN, I would have said, ah, I've made it. You know, and then you get there, and I think you're always wanting more, which good or bad. But, um, you know, I love my job now, but, of course, I always want to grow. So that's a really long way of saying I'm just sort of cruising. We'll see where the, the wind takes me, but I just kind of want to continually evolve and get bigger games and, and get bigger opportunities. Yeah, no, that's fair because I'm kind of the, the same way too where I don't really know what the industry is going to hold. Like, I love my job in radio at The Buzz. I love my podcast that I'm doing, but who knows what it's going to look like here in the, in the next few years too. So, But, yeah, you've come a long way from old, uh, local television here in Little Rock. I can tell you that. It's, but it's cool though because it's like, you know, it kind of gives you – like I've had a lot of people, you know, reach out to me because for some reason – and then this is not me, Brad, but like some people will be, people think I've like made it and I'm like, I'm like this huge deal in Arkansas and all that. You I'm are like, a big deal in Arkansas. Well, I don't know. The, you know, the, the blue check – is deceives, a big deal. The blue check mark blue on check my Twitter, yeah. it deceives a lot of people because it's like I'm the same person. Like there's nothing changed. But no, it, but it's cool because it's like it's such a rare thing for in our industry to get to where we're at. And it's like, you know – I think about how many full-time radio people or like people who do a podcast and whatnot and, and, and actually, you know, make a living doing it is so rare. And so it's like, I always look at it as extremely thankful to be with the position I'm in. Cause you, there's a lot of people that want to do what I do and a lot of people who want to do what you do, but they never get to that point. So it's almost like, you know, you can't take it for granted or anything like that just because of, you know, the way your timing is everything. And it works out for us a lot of cases that way too. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's uh we're in the toy department is what I always say. So we're thankful to be working with all the toys. And at the end of the day, we cover sports. So it's not the worst thing in the world. And now I should say, you know, my goal right now is to cover an Arkansas game. That is what I want to do. Oh, that's What's my the hold up? Goal. I know What's I keep telling, up? I keep telling my bosses, I'm like, Hey, I really want to cover an Arkansas game. So it's just making sure that, um, are available in the window because it seems like right now it's like they're either on like the really big espn cbs game of the week or they're on like the lower sec network games and there's really no in between and i'm sort of on a quote-unquote in-between crew so yeah i don't know i don't know what the deal is yeah gotta make that happen too because yeah, i always, know like because i'm like and in like the, the way that People like interview coaches like at halftime and stuff that always would like stress me out if I ever had to do that because I'd be like so nervous. I'm like, it's like, hey, uh, so, you know, what's going on here? And they'll be like, what are you talking about? I'm down three touchdowns. I'm going to lose my job. You know, like it's like, yeah. you know, it's like you got to be really careful about that. That was something that I could not do. I could not like talk to coaches like it's easy when it's going good. But I feel like if you have to talk to coaches in the middle of the game or something when things are bad. See, like, I actually stressful. I've actually found I always get better stuff from the coach who's losing because it's easier to be like, Hey, what's going on? Why, how can you fix this? Whereas I had an interview with Lane Kiffin last year, they were playing Tulane and they were up by like three or four touchdowns going into half. And my question to him was basically like, you're up by four touchdowns. Is there anything else you want to see from your ones before you make a change? And I don't think he really understood my question. It was off camera, so it was sort of just like more relaxed and verbalized. And he was like, 
we're up by four touchdowns. Like, I don't need to see anything more. I'm like, yeah, that's my point. Like, so are you going to, you know, so it's funny because, like, I, I just feel like I get into those situations where a coach is winning and I'm like, well, what does the audience really want to know? You know, they're up at this point. Like, the fan base doesn't really care, you know. They're like, my team's going to win this game. Let's move on to the next week. So yeah. I'm with you. The, the, the halftime interviews can be tough. Yeah, it's like, yeah, the students are all pouring out at halftime because you're up so big. It's like nobody yeah. cares anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's like, okay, let's move on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I, I feel you on that one. Well, Taylor, really appreciate you joining us on the podcast today. I know it's uh, it's a busy time for you, but it's also an enjoyable time. And uh, for those of you listening in, you can follow her on Twitter at, uh, at Taylor underscore McGregor. She is an Arkansas graduate, but she also is a very professional on ESPN as well. You can see her on a lot of college football games this year and hopefully in a Razorback game here very soon. But, Taylor, appreciate it. Have fun this football season. I know we'll be catching up with you later down the road. Great to talk with you.